Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I am your host, Megan Hall, psychology grad student, spouse, mom, and advocate for change. On this podcast, I provide a space for women to share their stories. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today and enjoy the episode. Hello, friends. It is me again. Welcome. Today, I'm going to talk about my academic journey. You may have been keeping up with it, and it has been a wild ride. It has been, it has been a wild ride, y'all. A wild ride. I'm, I cannot stress that out enough. A wild ride. I, 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 <laughs> like, I just can't. I just can't. Um, so you're getting me again because I, I had a very huge influx of, of uh, guest pitches, but uh, ninety nine or ninety five. I don't know. A lot of percentage of them weren't even remotely. Uh, related to the podcast premise. A lot of, I want to talk about my business. A lot of, I want to tell you about my book. Not, I want to share my story, which may be related to my book. Because we all know, I love those stories. Especially be- <laughs> because they're fun. You know, see, my theory is everybody starts a business or writes a book because of a experience they had. right? A personal experience, which is what we talk about on the podcast. However... People don't come at me from that angle. They come at me like, I want to talk about how I built a six-figure business. Or I want to talk about how I wrote this book and it can really help your audience. No, we are, we focus on personal stories. I do not consider career stories or entrepreneurship stories, how I built a blah, blah, blah business stories a personal experience. But if you want to tell me what personal experience inspired you to start your business, go for it. Right? Like, that is something. I just, people would just listen to the podcast. They would know we come at the personal story angle. Yes, many of my guests are entrepreneurs or business people, but they come at it from a personal story angle. This is my personal experience. Yes, it may be related to what I do today, but this is what I went through. This is my transformation. This is my journey. (sighs) People don't get that like majority of my audience are not entrepreneurs and business owners. They really just want to hear the stories of women, personal stories, relatable stories. And I'm sorry, making six figures in a business is for a business podcast. This is not a business podcast. Okay, step off my soapbox. Anyways, so you're getting me again because it's been crazy. This has been crazy. And not only that, but I've been told, like, people enjoy the solo Megan episodes. Now, this is not the Megan's show, so you're not going to get them all the time. But let's talk about my academic journey. When I was a child... (laughs) When I was a child, I was a smart little cookie. 
Um, I graduated. We'll skip forward. You don't need to know about my report cards when I was in third grade. We'll skip forward to high school. Uh, you all should know by now I am 36 years old. So high school was, um, it was a while ago, like almost 20 years ago. So I graduated fifth in my class from high school. I had a 3.9 something GPA. I don't know. It was a long time ago. It's hard to keep track of those things. And I applied to two local colleges because as you all know, I was a teen mom. So staying local so I could get support from people I knew with my kid, that was really important. So I got accepted into both universities One was not quite a community college. It was a four-year university, but it was, like, on the cusp of, like, community college and four-year university. They had two-year degrees. They had four-year degrees. Uh, They had all these things. But, like, this was a college where people were like, "Mm, I don't know about that. So the other one was a private university that I had dreamed of my entire life like going to this university because I always heard how good it was and how important it was. And mind you, I decided to go to college for something I didn't even know if I wanted to do. I chose, I went for financial information and analysis and I was in the financial like information track. I think that was the one. It was like fancy way of saying accounting. Anyways, I I went into that because my stepmom did that. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, I would like to be like her. I had no passionate drive for when I went to college with. I was just encouraged to go to college because I was really smart. And, like, people were like, you have to be. You have to be the first one to go to college. You can do this. And the pressure was on to go to this private university again knew nothing about going to college. Neither one of my parents, like, got a college degree. None of those things. So really, it was just, like, me going for the pressure because it's what you were supposed to do, right? If you had good grades, you were supposed to graduate high school and go to college, even though I had no real investment in what I was going to college for, which may have played into what happened. So at the time, I was a single mom. And working, obviously, I had to pay my bills and take care of my kid. Going to school full time. And, of course, we all know at that time I had an undiagnosed mental illness. So, you know, that was a good time. Fun. And I was trying to be a normal college-age person. I wanted to do the things that other people were doing. Like partying, going to the bar, and hanging out with friends. The thing is, it was too much to balance on my own, too much to do on my own. And I was having some pretty significant like mood episodes. It was some wild stuff going on. I was struggling really hard with college because like college is different. So you might be like super smart like in high school, but college is a whole different ballgame when it comes to learning. Like it you have to actually, for somebody like me who could just like sit in class and do a little studying and do well on a test, that's not how college rolls. Like you have to put in an actual effort for this. So anyways, 
I was having, I, was, I struggled from the beginning. And then it just got progressively worse. I was put on academic warning and then academic probation. I don't know whichever one comes first. I don't remember. And then my last semester, I had gotten into a very toxic and verbally abusive relationship. And I just, you know, he would be like, don't go to class. I really need you. I really need you here. I was going through a lot of shit on my own. And it, I flunked out. Straight zeros. It's really impressive with all those zeros <laughs> that I ended up with a 1.813 GPA. I'm like, well, that's, I mean, that's not a good GPA, but that's pretty impressive. <laughs> and I flunked out. And this became like a whole big thing. It's like Megan flunked out of Clarkson. Megan flunked out. She used to be really smart, but then she flunked out of Clarkson. And la, 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 la. And I believed that I was really dumb. I was like, I'm no longer smart. I am dumb. I felt a lot of shame about flunking out. I felt worthless. I mean, part of that was also my abusive relationship, but I felt worthless. My self-esteem was in the shitter, and if you had told me that I would be applying to PhD programs right now, like back then or even like five years ago, I would have laughed straight up in your face. So there was a big gap between my academics. And I remember going, so I was a fitness coach, and then I was a women's empowerment coach and speaker. I did quite well with both of those, but I realized I'm not meant to be my own boss. I really don't like that responsibility. I need someone to tell me what to do. So I I went back to college originally because I'm like, I'm going to become a therapist because that's related to being a women's empowerment coach and I can really help people on the mental health level. Y'all, I am. I cannot hold the p- capacity for people in the way to be a therapist. I was not realistic about that. And I remember I had like, I had done so many things, making manic decisions (laughs) that when I said I wanted to go back to college, my spouse was like, I don't, I don't know about that. Cause like, is this just like a, at the time we didn't know like my mental health diagnosis, but he's just like, um, I don't know if you're going to stick with this and it'll be one more thing and you'll be adding more student loan debt to your already massive student loan debt. Yeah. I left, (laughs) I left college the first time with a lot of student loan debt because I lost my scholarships all the things but anyways so I was like no 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 no. I really want to go and then I remember going to this four-year university and meeting with the person I'm like listen I didn't do so hot and I flunked out of college but like I have significantly improved and I was obviously really smart to get into this college if you know anything about it so are y'all going to accept me? And the guy like pretty much laughed in my face and he was like, absolutely not. (laughs) And I like started like tearing up because I was just like so heartbroken. And he was like, I really suggest that you go to a community college and bring up that GPA and prove yourself again and then apply here. And I was like, you know, like everybody has those, like, it's frowned up, like, community colleges are not given enough credit, okay, y'all? Like, 
in the academia, they're like, poo-poo on it, right? And, like, the four-year universities, it's like, ah, community college, ah, ah, ah. No. I wish I knew what I know now back when I first went to college because I would have definitely went to a community college or that college that was four-year university but had two-year degrees. I had the most diverse experiences in academia at a community college. It was amazing. I learned so much from the people around me and the professors I had and it was just a really good experience. It helped build back up my confidence in what I could do. It helped me feel better. And you can like, you can just, it's, they're broad, they're broad um, majors. So it's not like a really specific major. So mine was, I got associates in social science. So it literally could have been anything in social science. I picked psychology because I actually find it really fascinating but anyways, I, I wish if I had known, if I had met Megan like 20 years ago, I would have been like, listen, I know you're super smart and I know you really want to go to a four-year university, but you got a lot on your plate. How about you try community college? And then you could like see how it's working out and decide like this is too much. This is too little. All of those things. But I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So I went to community college and I graduated the 4.0. But before I graduated, I had like really developed this interest. Mind you, I was doing the podcast at this time, okay? I'd really developed this interest in social psychology. It was actually my favorite class was social psychology. And I developed this interest. And around this time, I got my diagnosis, which really made me like have a a come to Jesus moment. I'm not religious, but I'm just, you know what I mean when I say that. I really had a come to Jesus moment and was like, I don't have the capacity to hold for other individuals. There are days where I just need to phone it in. And you can't do that when you're a therapist because like your clients are depending on you. And also get really worn out when people, like, emotionally dump on me. I just don't have the capacity. So I was really, like, I don't have the capacity for this. But I love psychology and what do I want to do with this? When I went online to the four, I had, like, a really hard time when after I moved and I had a mental break. And I was, like, I need to go. I want to continue with school, but I really need to, like, go online or something so I can I have that time I'm not you know commuting I have that time and flexibility and all those things so I went online and now knowing what I know like you kind of have to be a little picky about where you go for a four-year university if you want to continue on for like a PhD program because I've been told like they might they may like look at where you went even though it was you know, certified or whatever they call. Like, it was a legitimate university, but, like, it wasn't, like, one that they're like, woohoo! So maybe I should have chose differently. But it was, like, a solid education. I got to take another social psychology course and a personality course, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I really enjoy this stuff. I'm really geeking out. And, you know, when I got accepted into grad school, into my master's program, I met with the psychology chair, and she's like, well, 
what are what you want to do after this? And I'm like, I want to go for a PhD because I want to teach. I decided I wanted to teach. Why? Because that was my favorite part of every single job. It's my favorite part of being a coach and a speaker is teaching the things I've learned. It's my favorite part of the podcast is sharing what I've learned with other people, like sharing my experiences. And so every single job I ever had, my favorite parts was being able to teach people things, right? Like I just absorb information and I love sharing, even though like sometimes it's very boring for people. But anyways, so when I went to to grad school for my master's program, like this, the psychology chair is like, well, what do you want your PhD? In? And I'm like, well, I guess clinical psych, because I do enjoy like mental illness and she was like, do you want to work as a practitioner? And I'm like, no. And she's like, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, I want to teach and I want to, you know, learn new things and explore new things. And she was just like, okay, well, wouldn't social psychology be more fit to what you are interested in? I'm like, yeah, I actually really like to explore bias and stigma and prejudice. To me, that's very interesting how those forms and how you know, people act in society because of these things. And so I'm like, oh, social psychology, the thing I have been interested in pretty much this whole time, that's it. Because, you know, the thing is, is people don't really tell you these things, right? I loved my time in a community college, but nobody, none of my professors, when I started talking about how I wanted to be a professor, were like, these are the steps you have to take right? You have to get research experience. You have to really decide on your major. These are the different branches. These are different fields. And this would be the things that you're studying. Like, nobody told me. And yes, I understand. I'm a full-grown adult. I should do my research. But there's really so much information out there that it's not really clear. And nobody said you need research experience. Very important in social psychology that you have research experience. And, you know, even in my four-year university, when I was getting my recommendations from my professors, I said, like, I want to go for a master's because my spouse's job may take us someplace else. And I know from what I've learned, you have to, you can't move around with a PhD. You have to commit to being in one place for like five years. Otherwise, you're pretty much starting over because you're really, you know, developing those relationships And they want to train you in what they're doing, right? One of the universities I'm applying to, I said, well, I'm coming in with a master's program, like, or master's degree, like, will that make a difference? And the person's like, no, you'll just gain another master's degree because we want to train you in how we do things. And we want to teach you the things that we think that you need to learn. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. And so when I got into my master's program, again, I was meeting with a psychology chair and she was just like, you need research experience if you want to go for a PhD program. I'm like, what? Really? She's like, yeah, nobody ever told you how important research experience is. I'm like, no. Oh, anyways, back to the four-year university. When I was asking for recommendations, like I said, I, you know, said I'm going to go to a master's program instead of PhD program. And one of my recommenders goes, oh, well, I think that you're perfectly qualified for a PhD program and you really should apply for one. She never said, hey, you need research experience. Like, no, I didn't have it. I would have been devastated 
if I had applied at that time because I definitely did not have the qualifications to get into a PhD program. So I get to my master's and the psychology chair is like, oh, you need research experience. They will absolutely not accept you if you don't have research experience. And so I'm like, how do I get this experience? What do I need to do? And so she introduced me to my mentor slash thesis advisor. And I was taking psych psych research. And so my aim was like, I want to get published with these things, right? That's important. I, I want to have significant findings. I, you know, all of these things. So head first, jumped right in, I had the right psych research uh, professor because he sets you up for success when it comes to being published. Like he wants you to develop um, and do your study for psych research like in a way that you could get published. Now, not everybody chose to do that, but I did. I was like, listen, let's do this. Let's get this ready. And he is the co-author on my manuscript that is submitted right now to clinical psychology. Now, they may turn me down. This is the third journal I have applied to. The other two were like, nope, doesn't fit. So clinical psych might come back in the next couple weeks and be like, nope, doesn't fit. But you just keep trying, right? You just keep moving forward. Because you might get a lot of no's before you get a yes on one of these manuscripts. Like, it's very competitive things. So I got set up for success with that one. And then I joined, I also joined the social psychology lab and it was just getting started. My mentor has not been at my university for super long. So she's just getting this lab started. And so I got to be in from like the ground up. And this has led to me being a second author on her manuscript, which is great. I got that experience too. But now we're like doing four different projects and working on all of them. And I've learned how to write at a, like a grad level, like at a scholarly level. I've learned how to like conceptualize a study, um, to analyze data, like to edit and, you know, create a manuscript. And because like when you first write all this stuff, like there's a lot of information, but like when you're submitting to a journal, like you have to limit the amount of words that you have. And so you got to cut things out and you got to make them good. And my thesis that I'm working on, uh, I'm structuring it in a way that if we have significant findings, it can get published too. So anyways, I'm like on four different projects. I'm getting all of this experience. And so I'm really, really hoping (laughs) that that matters. Applying to PhD programs, y'all, is on a whole different freaking level. Nobody tells you how stressful it is. And in social psychology, like I was told, like you are not applying to the program. You're applying to the professor. Yes, logically, you're applying to the program. But you're applying to work with specific professors. They are looking for people with similar research interests that will help them on their research, but they can also help you on your research. So one of them, I'm like super geeking out about. I'm like, oh my God, if I got in to work with this professor, I would cry and and probably throw up at the same time. But all of them are super great. And all of them have like really interesting research in the realm of like stereotypes, prejudice, discrimination, bias. Like 
I love it all. I was like, any of these, any of these I'm down for. <laughs> I even said in my personal interest statement, it was like, this may seem broad, but I really just love all, all of it, like this realm. And I want to learn what I'm most passionate about so I can create my own niche in this field. So they don't tell you, like, I was told by my professors, like, you got to have at least 10, like, at least 10, because that's going to give you the best chance of being able to get into one, into one, y'all. And you need all of these documents. You need, like, a CV, which is, I mean, for social psychology, again, it may be different for different fields. So a CV, which is, like, an academic resume, You need personal interest statements. And this can't just be one broad statement. They have to be tailored to each program. So you can't just like were like have the exact same one. Like you got to tailor it to the program, to the professor, like all of these things they need to know is like you're familiar with what we do here and you are actually interested in supporting what we are doing. And so I'm like, oh, Lord, please let them. And some of them want diversity statements. Some of them want some of these things, but it's limit, very limited by, like, words or by length. So <laughs> it's, it's wild. It's very stressful. And all of these are due, to, all of them but one are due December 1st. And I'm, I feel like I'm finally in the place where we just need to edit some grammar and stuff, and thankfully, my friend Amy, shout out to Amy, I know you listen, um, <laughs> my friend Amy is helping with that, because she really enjoys it, but man, it's a lot of work, and expensive, I'm going to be spending almost $600 in application fees, that's a lot, and one of my professors like, well, you should just double the number, and end up with like 20 universities you're applying to, and I'm like, excuse me, do you have a thousand dollars? Because I don't have a thousand dollars. Holy crap! It's a lot of application fees. One of the one of the universities I attended like their online open house, so I got a, a fee waiver for them. And another one doesn't require a, a a fee, so I'm like yes. And most universities I'm applying to, all except one, have moved away from requiring the GRE, which is basically like the SAT for graduate school. Only one required it, but they had a waiver because I'm like, I am not spending $250 to pay for that test. And then like, say I have a bad day or something's going on and my brain isn't fully there and I do poorly, then I have to pay to take this again? No, thank you. Especially when almost all of them either don't, some of them are like, absolutely not. You cannot submit this test. And some of them are like, it's optional. If you want to submit your test results, okay, cool. But if you don't, that's fine. And only that one had the GRE waiver. So I'm like really hoping, y'all. I'm really hoping. So I'll give you a list. And there is, this is in no particular order. So do not take this as in like, Megan, this is number one for her. No, doesn't mean anything, anything at all. So Purdue University, that's one. And then... University of Tennessee, that's two. University of Michigan, that's three. (laughs) Why am I counting? (laughs) SUNY Albany, Rutgers University, Lehigh University, University of Mississippi, Ohio State University, Tulane University, Florida State University, 
And which one am I forgetting? This is not fair to whatever it is. I'm just like, oh my God, there's so many, y'all. So, oh, University of Virginia. Yes, that's, I mean, I didn't purposely forget that one. I'm just like trying to picture all the states in my head. And I'm just like, okay, I should have went down from like, North to south on the East Coast and then north to south on what I call the inner East Coast. (laughs) You know, the East Coast you see is like literally the coast right down the the, like right side of the United States. And then the inner East Coast is like the states that are next to the. (laughs) I'm sticking to the East Coast uh, predominantly because of my middle daughter. She lives in New York with her dad, her choice. I've said this on the podcast before, just a couple years ago and she's just like I really want to live with my dad and I'm just like okay because a lot of our family a lot of her family lives up there and so she and she's like besties with her cousin and she's told me dad doesn't have rules like you do and I was like oh that makes sense that's legit where you'd want to live with dad instead of mom when dad doesn't have the same rules as mom uh I'm a super strict parent but I do have rules right I do have expectations and she would have been real pissed if she was living with me last year when she was failing all her class because classes because she would have no life so I don't I'm not I was pressured as a kid to always get A's anytime I didn't get A's my parents would be like what's up with this like why didn't you get an A like what happened you know in a kind of way where like I internalized it is like Megan always has to get A's and I have like this has developed into big anxiety around like grades over the summer when I took clinical psych and I got an A minus I had like a complete mental mental like meltdown not breakdown meltdown I was just like oh my god I suck it was an a minus y'all okay but and I no longer had a 4.0 and I'm like oh my god I need a 4.0 so much stress instead of being like it's still an a it's just an a minus and that kind of broke me so now I'm like open to the fact that I may not get an a and everything which is okay with me or like I won't get it like a I might get an a minus you know Something like that, but it kind of broke me. <laughs> I was really upset and stressed out over the summer uh, taking that class. And summer classes are like, they're compressed, right? They're in like a small window and so much work in such a small window of time. I don't know how people were actually like working jobs. So my job literally is academics because this is what I want to do with my life and this is my training I mean think about like you got training for like the like a you know a big job or any job really you gotta you get training and this is my training my training is like many years worth of training but I'm getting that training right now so what's my goal my goal is to be a to be a, a professor um in the field of social psychology particularly And to be a researcher, because I've really come to geek out about research. I'm like, this is so interesting that I can just be like, I wonder if this is a thing. And then explore and see if it actually is a thing. And I just like love it. One of my hypotheses is that podcasts can be a way to reduce prejudice. Yes. My social psychology professor slash mentor slash thesis advisors like, but people pick what podcast they listen to 
So there's like this selection bias. And I was like, yeah, I understand that. But like if people recommend my podcast, then other people will be like, oh, okay, I'll listen. And then maybe it starts shifting perspectives. I know some of you have reached out to me and been like, you know what? Your podcast has really helped me understand some things and shifted my perspective and helped me unlearn things that I I thought I knew, like things that I learned growing up that I like harmful beliefs. I'm like, yes, that's it, right? That's it. So I, I hypothesize that podcast can be a way of shifting perspectives, good or bad, right? Like, because if you're listening to some other podcast, <coughs> Rogan, um, you, you may shift your perspective in a whole different way than I shift your perspective. But yeah, that's my goal. Those are the universities I'm applying to. I'm pretty excited, y'all. I'm pretty excited. But what did I learn? Community colleges are great. They save you a lot of money. You can go there and bang out like all your basic courses like math and, you know, science and English and, you know, all those like really basic courses where you're like, well, how is this going to ever serve me again in my life? But you get to bang all of those out and explore different like majors, you can be like, I don't know if I like this. Well, let me take a course in this. Oh, I don't really like that. So let me try this. This is like a trial and error. It's great. I, th- I think community colleges are great. And if they make community colleges free for everybody, that's even better. Um, I tell my kids, yeah, they're 11. But I mean, my oldest daughter said she's going to take some college classes at a local community college. So I'm pretty excited about that. But I tell my kids... Like, one, you don't have to go to college. If you don't know what you want to do, don't waste your freaking time. Because, like, I'm 36 and I just now know what I want to do with my life. What I want to do when I grow up. But I tell them, like, if you really don't know what you want to do, don't go to college. Go work in, like, various areas and you can try things out. Or learn a trade, like, right? People who work in the trades, they can make some buku bucks. More money than I'm going to make as a professor, okay? Which, like, what is it? Nine years of education under my belt, okay? So, yeah, learn a trade. There's all sorts of kind of things you can explore without going to college. But community colleges are a great way to explore majors, uh, and I always tell my kids, like, don't go to a four-year university if you don't have a scholarship. Because they t- even, like, public universities tend to be more expensive than community colleges. So go to community college. Bang out those, like, basic courses. Try different majors. See if you really like what you want to go to before you commit to a four-year university. Again, unless you have a scholarship. If you have a scholarship, then go. Go. You got that free ride? get it my uh youngest daughter wants to be an engineer and a robotics engineer and build robots she said she's gonna build me one that cleans my house for me because I hate cleaning and I was like that's great man like in STEM there there's so many scholarships and grants for women in STEM because it's like women are very underrepresented underrepresented in STEM so I'm like do it girl if you can get a scholarship you go you do that get it get it So then my second is like, go to a public university. Again, unless you have a scholarship to go to a private university. Go to a public university when you go for the four, like to a four-year university because it's less expensive. And you're probably going to experience a little more diversity than you would in a private university, right? 
So, and you can try different things again, like, and you're not really stuck. But towards your end of your four-year time, if you don't know what you want to do, don't go to grad school. But if you do know what you want to do, maybe unless you have the research experience and the things that you need to get into a PhD program, maybe go for a master's. Because let's be honest, like, say you don't do well in a PhD program and you kind of shit out and you don't finish, at least you have that master's to fall back on. That's the way I look at it, is I can be a professor with a master's. It limits my opportunities and where I can work, but I can be a professor with a master's. However, I don't, I want more opportunities. I want my options to be numerous, and that requires me to have a PhD. But also, I'm really excited to learn on that level and to get some teaching experience and more research experience. And, you know, that really pumps me up. But those are the things I learned, right? Really, if you're interested in like a PhD program, and that's something for you, you need to ask your professors, what do I need? Set yourself up for success early on. What do you need? Because a lot of people just think, oh, I can just go to a PhD program. It's no big deal. I can just go. And then you find out like, oh, I don't actually have the things that are going to allow me to do this. Like I know somebody that I'm friends with on Facebook and I and she posted the other day and she's like, maybe I'll go for a PhD. And I'm just like, you got the experience to go for a PhD? Because this is like uh, she wants to be a therapist and clinical psychology is one of the most competitive. Like I know a girl from my school that had like six publication has publications had presented at conferences had all of this stuff and still didn't get in anywhere so really it's really important to have the right experiences and if people don't have it they're going to be crushed I mean I might be crushed maybe they'll say they're not interested in me although the psychology chair at my university when she saw about the podcast and stuff and about my coaching and speaking she's like this is impressive and I was like oh you think it's something they're actually going to care about and she's like yeah this is different this is impressive and I'm like oh please oh please oh please let it help I just think if these professors like find me interesting and listen to the podcast that they'll fall in love with me and they'll want to work with me maybe not that's you know I don't know I I um I go back and forth between like I am fantastic and I suck and everything sucks and nobody's going to want to work with me. So I go back and forth between this. It's not necessarily a depression versus mania thing. I like go back and forth without those things, right? Uh, My self-esteem isn't always the best, but I'm like, please, oh, please, oh, please see that interesting. See it. And in my other one of my other professors read over my personal interest statement and she was like, this is great. I think that you're totally set up to get into a PhD program. And I'm just like, please, please let me get into a PhD program. I want this so bad. And I feel like at 36, I know what I want, right? I'm not going to shit out like five, like a couple years into my PhD program, which happens a lot. And that, you know, the university has invested in you because I was told, like, do not apply to a university that doesn't offer you a stipend, which is like they pay you. 
um, they they waive your tuition and they pay you to go to their university, uh, partially because you do a lot of work, like you're a teaching assistant or a research assistant or both. And so you're doing a lot of work and they should be paying you for that work, right? And so, you know, they invest all this money into you. And then, like, if you decide, like, no, nope, not doing this, then now they've wasted all that money. And they don't want that. It doesn't look good on their ass, their end. So, like, looking at an older student like me and going, like, I've had plenty of time to decide this is what I want to do with my life, right? I've had plenty of time. I know this is what I want to do. Like, I know this is what I want to do. I am invested in this. I have the time to do this. Like, my kids are older. My spouse is getting ready to retire. Well, not officially retire. Retire from his job and then go do another job. Because his job, like, you can retire at, like, 20 years and get retirement pay. And (laughs) and he's only going to be, like, 40. And then he can go get a whole other job. And then he can be a super dad and do all of the things. And I can... I can be the one that gets to focus solely on my job because his job right now doesn't allow him the opportunity to focus solely on, like, to to be super dead. Like, because he's gone a lot and, like, long hours and stuff. But, like, hey, he gets to retire at 20 years and get that retirement pay. It's only a couple thousand. But, hey, a couple thousand is a, is a mortgage payment, right? So that's really exciting. And then he gets to do what he's always wanted to do, which is be a dad and do the dad thing and I can get like a break as a mom and focus on my career goals. So it's very exciting. I hope you guys enjoyed that journey. I hope you love that journey for me and I hope you get that reference. And yeah, so those are my tips. Those are my journey. Like check it out, do the work. Um, And a a good GPA is also really important. Now, like, you don't have to have a 4.0, but a lot of these, uh, a lot of these universities I'm applying to are like, well, the people that get accepted into a program generally have like a 3.7 or something like that. I'm like, "Mm, I got you. I got you, boo. Anyways, I hope you have a wonderful day. I hope you enjoyed this and I will talk to you later. Bye. Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.